0: All right. well this week uh, we are going to be at the point in the the statement where it says that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And and so I'm excited to share with you several passages of scriptures that we look at in regard to the second coming of our Savior. And we're really going to begin in the book of Matthew and these are the words of Jesus. And so Jesus himself before he even left, before he even died on the cross, was telling his disciples that there was going to be a day where he returns. So he was going to go away, and then he would come back again. And so if you look with me in Matthew chapter 24, we're going to begin in verse 30 of Matthew 24. Um, And the scriptures say this. Jesus said, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power, excuse me, with power and with great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the sun. But the Father alone, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then there will be two men in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Alright, so this is Jesus teaching about his second coming. And, and so it's, it's interesting to see here that Jesus already knew enough about what was going to take place. And he is revealing that to his disciples here. Telling them what to expect. Now if you read earlier in chapter 24, you'll see the, the passages of scripture that talk about wars and rumors of wars. About earthquakes, about all kinds of trouble that are going to come on. Uh, come, come through the earth. That there's going to be persecution to expect and all of these things are going to happen. And he's telling them that these are signs of my coming. These are signs that the Son of Man is coming again. And, and so we need to be vigilant. And, and as you read this passage, you see that he, what he's saying is that there is, there is no way of knowing for sure when that will be. All right. So if you find someone who says it's going to happen on this date, you need to move away from them because they are not in line with the scriptures if they say they know the day. Jesus himself said the angels don't know. He said that he himself didn't know the day or the hour, only the The Father in heaven knows that. And so we don't know. And we're not meant to know. What we're meant to be is ready. And what he's saying here over and over again in this passage is he's saying, look, it's coming when you won't expect it. It's coming at the least likely hour. It's coming at a point in time when you will not expect it. And he has passage after passage where where he's explaining this this idea that we don't know the day or the hour And, and he says that you know people will be living out their lives just like they were living out their lives in the day of noah when the flood came they were just going about the day to day and then all of a sudden they were swept up in the flood so it will be with the second coming of our lord but here's the thing we know that it's coming and because we know that it's coming, we can be prepared. God doesn't want us to be swept away. He wants us to be gathered up with him. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And so he's told us that he's coming again. Now from this point, if you continue on in, in uh, Matthew 24, the, the end of that chapter, and then the beginning of the next chapter, Jesus tells several parables to kind of illustrate the points that he's making here. For, for example, he tells the story of the wicked servant. The wicked servant is the one who is left in charge of his master's house, and his master goes away on a journey, and he decides for himself, you know what, he's gone, I'm just going to live for myself, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and he beats the other slaves, and he, he takes advantage of people, he, he drinks with drunkards, it says, and then he lives as if he has no master at all. And when the master comes and finds him doing that, he's going to be torn to pieces. He's going to be cast out into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, it says. He tells another story of ten bridesmaids. Five of them are prepared and five of them are not. What they do is they go out and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come through. And all ten went out to meet the bridegroom. But only five of them brought extra oil in case it took longer than they expected. The other five were not prepared. And then whenever the hour came and they saw him coming from afar off, they said, oh no, we don't have enough oil. And so they said, well, you're going to have to go buy your own. And so they, they go to buy their own and whenever they get back, it's too late. They've waited too long. They believed that he was coming. They were waiting for him and expecting him, but they weren't prepared for it. They weren't ready for it. He tells another about the, the servants who receive talents. One of them gets five talents, one of them gets two, one of them gets one, and, and how they use those talents to make a profit for their master. And the, he's telling them the master's going to come back. He's going to come back, and there's going to be an accounting of what you've done with what you've been given. And he's illustrating the point here that you've been given resources. You're going to have resources in your hands to manage. How are you going to manage them? Because they're not yours. They don't belong to you. They are entrusted to you to use for your master's benefit. And over and over, Jesus is illustrating the point. I am coming again. The Son of Man is coming. You're not going to expect it. You can't pretend like you're your own master just because it takes a long time. You can't wait until the last minute to be prepared for it. And there's going to be an accounting of what you've done with the time and the talent and the treasure that you've been left with. There's going to be an accounting, a reckoning. Christ is coming again. In the Apostles' Creed, it says he will come again to judge the living and the dead. There's going to be a day where he sits on the throne. And there's a time where we have to give an account. In Matthew chapter 25, if you turn the page, jump down to verse 31. Jesus says it this way. He describes This scene in heaven, he says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right, the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be in that group. Right. We want to be with those sheep. We want to be on the right hand side where he says, come and enter the rest that's been prepared for you. He goes on, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you, sick, or in prison, and come to you? And then the king will answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, Into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer the Lord. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then he will answer to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now listen, these are important words for us to grapple with. This teaching of the Scriptures tells us that our lives matter. That the things that we do day in and day out have eternal significance. That though we may think that our lives are mundane, though we think that they are insignificant, that they are, are not even noteworthy, God is watching. God is taking account of what you're doing with the resources He's entrusted to you. God is paying attention to the things that you do, the kindnesses you show, even to the least of these among you. God knows. God is watching. And God cares. It matters to him. It is significant to him. When the Apostle Paul is is considering this time, whenever we give an account before the Lord, he uses a reference that I think that we can understand really well. Where he talks about us building the kingdom of God. That we are all carpenters, if you will. We are all contractors, if you go with it, this analogy. And we are building the kingdom of God together. And whether you think so or not, whether you're attempting to do so or not, you are building the kingdom of God one way or another. Everything that we do in our lives is, is an act of building the kingdom. But some things are worthwhile while other things are not. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul has just given them a little bit of correction as they have claimed leadership or followers of certain individuals. Great teachers that they respected and admired. They were saying, well, I'm, I follow Cephas. Well, I follow Apollos. Others were saying, well, I just follow Christ. And they're comparing themselves one to another. They're looking for those differences among them. It's so good that we don't do that anymore, right? Well, anyway, Paul is correcting them. He's saying, look, we are all just builders of the kingdom. There's not one of us that's better than the other. There's not one of us who has a more important work than the other. We all have work to contribute. All of us. There's no one who is great in the kingdom of God except Jesus himself. What he says is this, according to the grace of God which was given to me, I, like a wise master builder, laid a foundation, and another is building on it. Each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So first and foremost, Christ is the foundation. You can't get there, you can't build the kingdom of God with any other foundation. You can't build the kingdom of God with a foundation of Islam. You can't build the kingdom of God with a foundation of Hinduism. You can't build the kingdom of God with any other foundation except Jesus Christ. And then he goes on. He says, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, then each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it. Because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Now you look at it and you think, all right, what were those building materials again? He says, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. If the test is fire, we know that half of those things are going to be burned away. The other half are only going to be purified. Gold, silver, and precious stones, as we heat those things up, the impurities will rise to the surface and we'll be able to cast them away. The the, the jeweler will take fire to polish stones. This is something that is precious in the eyes of God. And fire only makes it that much more precious. Whereas wood, hay, and straw, they'll be burned away. Our life's work, our ministry, our experience in the kingdom of God, what we build with in the kingdom will be tested as with fire. He goes on, he says in verse 14, If any man's work which he has built on it remains, then he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so As through fire. The reality is, all of us will give an account one day for what we have done with the resources that God has given us, with the opportunities He's allowed us to have, with everything that He has sent our way. We're going to give an account. And the work that we do is going to be tested. Now listen, as we read these things, it can be troubling to us. We can look at it and say, oh man, I don't know about this. I don't know if I'm measuring up. I don't know if I am one of those that are prepared. I don't know that I'm really ready. And we might get the idea that I need to go out and do a whole bunch of good things to make sure that my account is in order. So make sure that I'm, I've got enough good stuff to outweigh the bad stuff in my life. Let me tell you, that is not what Jesus is promoting that is not what Paul is teaching the church to do he is not saying look you got to go do enough good things to outweigh all the guilt that's in your life because that's not how this works that's not what Jesus is saying whenever he says to his sheep on his ride he's saying well I was I was hungry I was thirsty and you fed me and gave me something to drink it's not those actions that mattered what mattered was their heart The proof that their heart got it was that their lives reflected the values of their Savior. They lived out the principles that they recognized in their Lord and Master. Those who refused to be generous were ones who never understood the generosity of their Heavenly Father. Who sent His Son to die in their place. It's about the heart, not about the actions. That's why Paul says there at the end, he says, if your work is burned up, you will suffer loss. But as long as you're on that foundation, as long as you were in the right camp, as long as you were building in the kingdom of God, you yourself will be saved. Yet so is one through fire. But Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter 7. We, we have to take the whole testimony of the scripture into account here. And in Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus is finishing up the Sermon on the Mount, he says to the, the crowds who are there, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. He goes on, he says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I don't know what your resume looks like. If it looks anything like these folks, where you've prophesied in the name of the Lord, or you have cast out demons, or performed many miracles. In the name of the Lord, Jesus says, all that's fine and well, but I never knew you. You see, those actions are just actions. He calls them lawless. He says that you are practicing lawlessness as you do those things. Why? Because they were never sent to do that. They had no relationship with the Lord and Savior. They had no relationship with Jesus. And so they were saying the words. They were doing the actions. They looked good on the outside to everyone who was watching, I'm sure. But they never had a personal relationship with their Savior. Those things that they were doing were good things. But they were just good things. And it's not our good things that save us. The reality is the Scripture teaches us that Our relationship, our salvation is totally dependent upon our relationship with Jesus. Our ability to have a forever home in heaven with God matters solely on our relationship with Jesus Christ, his son. If we have not put our hope and our trust in him, if we have not claimed him as Lord of our lives, then we are missing the point. Now, if we are trusting in Jesus, if we are pursuing a relationship with Him, if we are dependent upon Him day in and day out, good works are going to come out of that. All of those kind things come from a heart. The the, the kind things that we read about in Matthew 25 about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, Visiting those who are sick or in prison. All of those things come out of a heart that has been transformed because of the the Holy Spirit coming to live within us. Where we recognize, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead in my sins, but I've been raised to life with Jesus. And because Jesus has done everything for me, I'm just going to live my life showing others His kindness and His goodness. His mercy. I'm going to take every chance I get to reveal the love of God to the world around me. And so, the way that we live for Him is not by getting up our own ideas, not by by trying to drum out our own conception of what it looks like to be a good Christian. If we want to be prepared for that day, it doesn't come from us coming up with a grand master plan. And executing it to the the finest detail, to perfection. That's not what it's about. It's about pursuing a deeper and deeper relationship with our Savior. Because that is where we bear the fruit that matters. Jesus says this in John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now listen, I think sometimes we need to stop and let that sink in. Because I think sometimes without saying it out loud, what we really believe is, apart from me, you can do something. Or or maybe we... Without saying it out loud, we believe, apart from me, you can do a little bit. But that is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, then he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Listen, as we think about the fact that Jesus is coming again and we want to be prepared for that day. Jesus told us about that day, told us he was coming again because he wants us to not be caught off guard. He wants us to be ready for his return. He wants us to be prepared and we need to recognize that it could come at any moment. It might come before I finish the sentence. God knows exactly what's on on his mind and none of us do. And we've got to live each day as if that day is upon us. We've got to live each day knowing that this day might be my last. And we've got to be ready for the day that he returns because he is coming again. He's coming to judge the living and the dead. He's coming to sit on his throne and cast judgment. And we need to be ready. And if we're going to be ready, then what we need to do is we need to abide in him. We need to draw ever closer to him. We need to be energized by his spirit. We need to be motivated by his love for us. We can't do it ourselves. What we need is we need to glorify our Father. And that's the point of all this. You see, I think there's a lot of times where we think that we can do something for God. But in reality, we want to do something for God so that we get the credit for those that are around us. We want to do something for God, quote unquote, but really what we want is we want the accolades of other people that we associate with. You see, we say we want to do something for God, but then whenever we're asked to do something mundane or ordinary, we say, well, that's not going to get me any credit. And we don't say that out loud, but that's what we think in our hearts. I want to serve the church. Could I, could I come and, and give a little testimony? Well, maybe not that, but could you come and help us clean up after Sunday? Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Listen, if you want to serve your master, serve him. And as you serve him, he'll give you opportunity to give a testimony. It's not about your glory, though. Whenever you're really bearing the fruit that God wants you to bear, it's that your Father in heaven will receive the glory. That's the mark of a true testimony. That's the mark of someone who is really Got it. Someone who really understands what this is all about. Like those sheep on his right who just gave people drinks of water without ever asking anyone to acknowledge it. They saw hungry people and sick people and they just cared for their needs. Because of the kindness of their heart, they weren't expecting anyone else to see it, but their Father in heaven was glorified. And they did that because they were already abiding in the vine they were already in fellowship with Jesus and they were so moved by His love for them, so, so overwhelmed by His servant attitude for them that they were willing to be a servant even to the least of these. If I could encourage you in one direction at all, in order to be prepared for that day, the direction I would encourage you to go is to abide more deeply in your Savior. Spend time with Him. Come into fellowship with Him. Learn more of His love for you. Spend time reading His Word to you. Let the praises of His people just saturate your life. Let God's goodness and mercy overwhelm you and abide more deeply in your Savior. Jesus said it very simply one time where he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Let Jesus be most important to you. And I believe whenever that is the characteristic that defines your life, that Jesus is Lord, truly Lord of your life, Then you'll be able to say, come whenever you're ready, Lord. I'm ready. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm ready. Let's pray. God, I thank you. That you have not left us here alone to figure it out for ourselves. Jesus, thank you that you told us you're coming again. Father, as we look at the world around us, as we hear the reports that are flooding in from all over the world Lord, we can see there's been no better time in all of history for you to come. So Jesus help us to be ready. Help us to be wise to discern that the time is upon us and that the days are short. And help us to be mindful that there is no day like the present to live for you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be like the wicked servant who just lives as if there is no master coming again. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be like the the five virgins who were not prepared. They knew you were coming, but they just weren't ready. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be like the foolish servant who just took the gifts that you have given us and buried them in the ground. So that we have nothing to show for ourselves when you return. But Lord, help us to be prepared. Help us to be ready. Father, I pray every day that we would abide more deeply in the vine, that we would draw closer and closer to You so that we would know what it is You're calling us to. So that as we're filled with Your goodness and mercy and love, that it would would produce great fruit in our lives. Father, I pray that we would be like wise builders. Who will build not with things that are temporary. I pray that our actions would not be motivated by, by the applause of men. Because all of that is going to be burned away. All of that is going to be turned to ash. But Father, may we live fully for your glory. May we produce the fruit that brings glory to Your name and Your name alone. May we be willing to serve even the least of these. Because I believe, Lord, that's what Your Word means when it talks about gold and silver and precious stones building the kingdom of God. So God, help us to live each day in light of the day that You're coming again. Father, forgive us for losing sight of what this is all about. Forgive us for getting our priorities out of alignment. Thank You for Your mercy and Your grace that tells us that all we have to do is confess our sins before You and You are are righteous and You are just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. God, that you invite us to come and lay it all before you. And that you will pardon us and forgive us and empower us to get back on the right track. So Father, I pray that our eyes would be open to the opportunities that surround us. May we see that there are opportunities day by day to live for you and your kingdom. And may we invest in those simple things that mean everything to you. Help us to draw closer and closer to you so that we can carry out your work here on earth. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let We just encourage you in the stillness of your own heart to search out what is it that God is telling you? Is there some opportunity that maybe you haven't paid attention to that God is saying, look here, there's something for you to do? Maybe it's a, a small thing, just a courtesy to a neighbor a co-worker, or maybe it's something bigger that God's inviting you to take that first step. Today, surrender to that call because the days are short. There's not enough time to squander. Follow Him today so that we're ready when that day comes. You respond to the Lord as Keith leads us in song.